Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 133. Advice for parents and would you bake the cake? Your Q&A. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Creek, and I am with my favorite licensed therapist, Jesus Like Carpenter, and my husband. Did you like that one? Mm-hmm. That's your new add-in. Oh. Uh, and my husband, Matt Creek. Hey, Matt. Hey. Hey, and of course, we have the most talented radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hey, guys. Was talented the verb or the adjective that I used for you last I season? I don't. I don't know. Professional. Oh, that's right. It's always been most professional radio voice. That's right. I'll I'll maybe throw back to that one, but talented for some reason just worked today. And Jesus Like Carpenter is yours right now, Matt. Uh, We are so excited to dive into the question today. Well, many questions today because we're doing Q&A. But before we do that, we're going to do our question of the week from last week. But even before, before we do that, because the truth is, this is our plan B for this episode (laughs) today. So we definitely... Definitely prayed over everything. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties, and then we've had some interviewee difficulties, and so um, we just prayed. And I'm like, man, I've been getting a lot of questions in the old inbox, and so I would like to outbox them to you all via this podcast episode. So, Plan B is always God's Plan A. Mm. So we're trusting and believing that. But now, here we are, question of the week from last week. This was the plan from last week. And the question that we want to hear your answers from that we got from some of you is this. What is your mask story? How did you get it? Who made it? We're all wearing masks. It's coronavirus unless you're... I'm hoping there's people diving deep into like the podcast archives right now listening to this and they're like oh yeah <laughs> coronavirus remember uh-huh. that way was, back in yeah yeah it was so small and minor and didn't <laughs> change anything about the course of life i hope that's the case uh, but right now we all have to mask up in and out and everywhere uh so i want to hear guys which answer did you pick from audience members there were so many answers and i loved them you guys are very giving people I love seeing answers from people saying like, hey, I chose this because it was a black owned business or I made like a thousand trillion for people. So Steve O'Dell, what did you pick? Um, I'm going to say Danny. You're going with Danny. I like Danny. You love Danny. (laughs) Danny is actually, I think he's been picked at least two times before. We had blackballed Danny. (laughs) Well, he was was on a no pick list because he'd been picked so many times. Yep. Time to take him out of the penalty box. You know, he's back in. He told me the last time we did, um, we do, there's a conversation happening on the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook page. You guys should go join it. There's something called The Heart of the Matter that Amanda and John are leading. And um, Danny said in one of those conversations that we had, uh, actually officially before that started, he said, I want to be chosen at least one more time. This is that one more time. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> my mom made me in my wife's first mask from some material she got in the Philippines, Ayo. which is pretty cool, uh, while working there uh, with Compassion International. Now we wear masks we got uh, from Everlane. Uh, we like them because the workers who made them are treated fairly and with dignity. So I really liked that. I do like that. We have some killer audience members. Yeah. Steve, where'd you get your mask? Uh, well, this mask that I have currently right here which if you guys are audio listeners on podcast, you can't see this, but um, if you click on the video link, you could see his dope mask. Yeah. L- let me tell you first my original mask story, which yeah. was when it all started and it was, you know, on the news, our governor is saying, you got to wear a mask. I was on the radio and I was like, 
guess I need to get a mask now. Yeah. And I had like listeners coming out of the woodwork. They were like, oh, I make them. You can come by and pick it up. Oh, I'm driving right. This guy happened to be driving by and he's like, I'm in your parking lot right now with masks for you. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's and so I go out there and I think he's probably a, I don't know, tradesman, contractor of some kind. And he's probably, you know, going places in his truck and doing things for people. And he's got to wear a mask. And he had like this bulk of you know, the, the disposable kind, you know, yeah. and he hands me a few of those and off, off I went. Oh. So this one that I have right now, uh, I realized we were on our way someplace with our grandkids and I realized it didn't have my mask. And so we stopped at the dollar store and my wife ran in and got this mask for me. So it's a dollar store mask, nice. but it does the job. I love the generosity of your listeners. Yeah. For you listeners listening to us, uh, Steve's actual job is radio work. So that's why he has, is yes. so talented mm -hmm. and professional and all the other adjectives that we could throw at him. <laughs> Matt Krieg has a good therapist voice. Yes. Does Steve always have to turn up his volume? He does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Matt Krieg, who'd you pick? Um, I really liked what Crystal had to say on Facebook. Um, she said that she's been sewing masks the whole time and was reminded in this process that she really likes to sew. And because of that, she taught her daughter how to sew during this whole pandemic. And when a friend needs her to make a mask, she goes ahead and makes it and will put special um, embellishments and, and stuff, embroidery in them just to make it match the character or the, the life situation of their friend, such as using, you know, breast cancer awareness or Down syndrome awareness, um, colors and, and everything like that. So it was super cool. And I actually just really liked the, the fact that she taught her daughter how to sew, which is just a cool little relational engagement piece. I love that. Yeah. My mask is nothing special. I guess we got it from Etsy because you ordered them from Etsy. <laughs> It was like end of March and I was like, I think masks are going to be a thing. Mm. And so I ordered them and they came like a Two month later, later because <laughs> they're from Canada. And apparently there's like a big old border wall. Not really. Let's not go down that path mm. between Canada and the U.S. Um, but yeah, I think we've been like blocked from Canada at this point or vice versa. Something's happening. Uh, but it took a month. But I was I was glad I was like, I think this is a thing. Mm -hmm. I appreciated this from Hannah on Instagram, which guys, if you want to answer the question of the week, you are welcome to email us at podcast at lauriecreek.com or you can find me on the old socials. Just find, search for Lori Creek on Facebook. I have like 17 Facebook accounts. Just join one. Just like one, <laughs> friend one. I don't know at this point. Talk to my marketing team or on Instagram. Just one Instagram account though. So you can follow me there and I do post this on my stories or as a status. Here is what Hannah said. I made tons of masks out of material that I bought in high school when I had dreams of being a fashion designer and vintage material from my great grandmother. I donated them to a friend working in an assisted living center and kept one for myself. Again, Super the cool. altruistic, yeah. beautiful, serving, giving nature of our listeners is unceasing. So thank you guys for those. My story is exactly Matt's. Again, if you look at the video, Matt's is black, mine is pineapples on it and we match our kids matt and ellis have the same one and me and the girls have the same one because girls are with girls and boys are with boys <laughs> just kidding do you listen to our podcast <laughs> no anyway that's a whole other conversation but the conversation we do want to open up now is q a time so we're going to start out with not an easy one but one that matt and i get often which pause so matt and i have recently started doing webinars once a month 
If you guys are interested in us training you guys in real time, um, they're also available after the, when they post the first Saturday of the month from 9.30 to 11 a.m. on Saturday. So this last Saturday on the 1st of August, we did one on lament, which that's a question we get asked a lot after we do a training. People are like, how do you do that? And guys, I lamented in real time with a video camera and I was actually grieving a real thing. And it was a small thing if you guys actually watch it. Um, but if you guys are interested in being a part of these trainings, you kind of subscribe to us. If you start donating to us at lauriecreek.com, just click on partner, 15 bucks or more a month, you are going to get the passcode to be a part of these webinars for free. Or again, you can watch them after. Uh, and it's fun, Matt and I are, we are ourselves and we really do want to train you. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because our first question is, what do we want every parent of LGBT teenagers, kids to know? What is something that when they come to us asking for advice, what are some of the main things that we tell them every time? Are there universal things that we ask and both teach? And so our next webinar at the beginning of September, I think it's September 5 is the first Saturday in September. Um, again, lauriecreek.com to sign up for that. I just want to start that conversation today because I'm asked that at least once or twice a week. So Matt, can I pitch it to you? Cause my voice is getting tired. You have that wonderful therapist voice. Uh, but I just would love to hear, you have parents that you're working mm -hmm. with of LGBT youth. Um, what is the primary thing or things that you dive into when parents come to you asking for help? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, it, it's a lot dependent on where the parent is at, but I think one of the major common themes that we deal with is the, the idea of you don't have control over your kid. You have influence over your kid. You have concerns over your kid, uh, but you don't have control. Um, and so rather than feeling all of this responsibility for every choice that your child will ever make, and when I say choice, I do mean just their actions, not their feelings, um, that you, you cannot be responsible for something that you have zero control over. And so to, to start framing the conversation more and how can you influence your kid as opposed to feeling like you can just dictate the right answer. Um, and this actually came out really, really well in a, in a conversation I had very recently with some parents that um, are navigating some really hard spaces with their, their kids. And, and as we were talking, they, they were actually the ones who said, it's like, it's like we're having a, like a stakeholders meeting in a company and we need to treat our kid like they're an actual stakeholder in their life as opposed to just being the ones who can tell them what to do. Hmm. And, and so I, I just really liked how they put that. I really liked the way they phrased that because ultimately, yeah, your, your kids are gonna walk out of your house one day and you won't have the leverage, whether it's the financial leverage, the power to, to just dictate things anymore. And so it's much more important to teach them how to think through their decision-making as opposed to just telling them what to do. Now, Matt, um, I just would love to hear, so you are a licensed therapist, you do in the state of Michigan, and you do work with LGBT people and their parents and people wrestling with, you know, heterosexual addiction, adultery affairs, anxiety, depression, you know, the other things too. But Matt, can you just remind listeners if they're new, just, uh, you, you know, are you trying to have orientation change? Are you trying to like coach the parents to like make their kids straight? Like, what are you doing and what are you not doing? Um, I 0% want parents to feel or kids to feel anyone who comes to me. I don't want them to feel like heterosexuality is the answer 
to whatever they're dealing with. None of us are perfect sexually, and so I don't think that that is not ever a goal. Um, when parents, and it's different for each situation, but when parents come, I'm teaching them, okay, how, how can you communicate with your kid? How can you express, you know, even in your support structures around you, how can you connect with them in a meaningful way? So that when you're in these places of, you know, hardship or pain, or maybe even grieving, you know, the, the fact that you don't have the kind of the picture of your child's life that you always envisioned, um, that all of that's not just coming out on their kid. Um, that they have spaces that they themselves can, can use to care for themselves while also then equipping themselves to care for their kid. Which jumps, I think, really nicely into something that I share with parents and feel free to jump back in, Matt. So Matt and I, it's rare to get us together. <laughs> if you guys want to have a meeting with us together, it's tough. Uh, we got to coordinate babysitters, et cetera. So we often meet with different sets of parents separately. And I'm not a licensed therapist. I am a friend and a mentor and I can offer what I have from years of ministry and walking this out. Um, but something that I encourage parents to really reframe is to talk, to rethink and get in their heart and in their mouth how they speak about marriage in general. Mm -hmm. So are the sentences in your home to your kids when you get married? Like how many Disney movies are there where it's, and then they lived happily ever after or Barbie or all of these different things. And for me, you know, we have one daughter uh, who is definitely interested in marriage, like very much so. And she, like to the point of, when am I gonna get married? And it is so tempting for me, the mom, me, even the tired mom to be like, oh yes, one day I'm gonna be done with you. <laughs> and be like, oh, don't, oh honey, when you're married and Mr. Right comes along and everything is made right in the world, which to be honest, us as parents, it's not a terrible desire because there's a heavenly longing for our kids and ourselves in that. We want them to be complete. We just aren't looking far enough. So I just encourage parents to really work on that. Are you saying when you get married or if God calls you to marriage? Why is that so important? There is a five-year window. You can uh, look at some facts through leadthemhome.org. There's a five-year window between when a kid feels attractions the same sex and comes out on average. So here we are as parents and you know, we're even over, as, as when we're just saying these when you get married sentences, if your kid is feeling attractions to the same sex, but they're like, oh, but you know, same sex marriage is wrong. I'm never gonna get married. But that's the trajectory of my life is to get married. That's what I have to do. So not only are you hurting your kid because they're feeling like that's my only path, but then actually now my only path because I'm attracted to the same sex is actually loneliness. So we're teaching our kids their path is loneliness. So it's not only telling them that, which is wrong, but we're also saying something completely unbiblical, which what we're saying is the path of your life, i.e. the purpose of your life is to get married. No, it's not. The purpose of our life is to be one with God and invite others into this oneness. And we do that either as married people or as single people. So we're seeking union with God, union with the church, and union uh, with more people inviting them in. 
And so we have to reframe our once you get married as the trajectory of people's lives because it's unbiblical and it's hurting our kids uh, if they experience attractions to the same sex in that five-year window. So instead of them coming out at that five-year point and saying, oh, guys, this is what I struggle with, they're gonna, they may come out with a, this is who I am, I hate you, I hate God, bye. Which, I'm gonna say one more thing now. So we need to talk about how we talk about marriage, and then one more thing, then Matt, if you wanna jump in, or do you wanna jump in now? Well, I mean, I think that, that reframe of the possibility of marriage rather than the certainty of marriage um, is something that, that is just good for, for kids in general yep. to, to start culturally like understanding that marriage is not necessarily going to be a reality. Um, and I mean, I've even been dealing with that in, in marriages that have ended where it's like, this was always the thing I was supposed to do. And then if it's through death or if it's through, um, you know, infidelity, somehow the marriage is, it ends. Like there's, there's a sense of like, now what? Mm. And there's already that sense because it's this massive life change. But when, when it comes out as this devastating, like my entire purpose for life is to, to get married, to have kids, you know, to raise a family, whatever, it, it just makes it makes life a lot harder when those things are not actually there and we have elevated it to this idolatrous state. It's not only just makes life harder, it, yeah, it just makes our whole life idol worship. Mm-hmm. And so we in the church worshiping our heterosexual marriage idol is, are we any better than those outside the church in whatever form of married or unmarried state? Like, and I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just saying it's, it's all idol worship. Mm-hmm. So, can we start saying, can we reframe, dear parents, and myself included, I'm looking in the mirror, guys, I want to say when you get married too, mostly because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm going to say, if God calls you to marriage. The second thing that I often tell parents, because they're like you're saying, Matt, they're looking for bridges to build with their kids. And maybe they, you know, they, they were, didn't talk about marriage in this gospel-centered way. They didn't, you know, have this this vision of if you get married. Um, But I ask them to ask the Lord for areas they can say, I'm sorry. God, where have I stomped on my kid's heart? Where have I worshiped marriage? Uh, Here's a big one. This is almost, almost all parents can say, ooh, that's one I need to apologize for with, with ones that I meet with. If when you guys are watching a show as a family or a movie, and an LGBT character comes on the screen. Do you as parents, how do you respond? Do I, we as parents, Matt and I, how do we respond? Is it an eye roll? Is it, ugh, why'd they have to add the gay character in? Why, ugh. It's really, we're supposed to love our enemies, love. Love means you're willing to die for them. So it's not a matter of, oh, I get to scoff at some people. And I'm not saying LGBT people are your enemy. I'm saying if we're supposed to be able to die for our enemies, we shouldn't scoff at them. <laughs> we need to be willing. We need to love. And, you know, maybe you pause it. Hey, guys, or at the end, hey, guys, what did you think about that? Do you know any LGBT people in your life? How are you loving them? And then I think a third thing that I would encourage parents to talk about is what we are even with our kids at three, four, five is why is it male and female marriage? It's not because it's Adam and Eve. 
you know, it's not Adam and Steve. It's really not funny. But, you know, like we can think of those things. That's maybe what we, the only thing we learned. But do we actually biblically know why is it a God's design for marriage between male and female? And um, we've talked about on this episode some of our favorite reasons, but I would encourage you to read People to be Loved. I would encourage you, I mean, pre-order our Impossible Marriage book. I got at least one argument in there. Uh, or research at uh, centerforfaith.com. Look for 15 reasons for the affirming view and 15 responses. But again, just to restate, because we've talked about this so many times, but God wanted it to be different, male and female, on purpose which I'm just going to look at parents again. Another thing we can do, which maybe is an area of confession, it falls under that area, is are you rolling your eyes at the gender of your spouse? Are you doing, oh, women are so, oh, men are so. Do you know? And then in the same breath being like, oh, why is it same-sex marriage? Like, if you've got a gay kid in your house and you're rolling your eyes at your spouse, they may, like me, be thinking, which I wasn't watching my parents, I was watching Christian culture when I was thinking this, why does every, most men and most women at least mildly resent their spouse? Like dudes seem to get along with dudes better and women with women better. So I think I've actually picked the right thing, even though I didn't, you know, just choose it. I felt the draw at a young age. But then why? I think being with women is actually a better call. And you guys even agree with me (laughs) because you (laughs) scoff at each other. The most, for me, winsome reason for God's design for marriage being between men and women is because we're so different. God did it on purpose. Because if Matt and I and our difference can be one, and you can see us laying down our life and being one with each other, I'm showing you a gospel picture of how very different from us God wants to marry us. Very different humans. (laughs) Men and women are different. God and humanity is super different. So be a living, breathing gospel metaphor in your home, dear parents, to your kids, whether or not they're gay, straight, whatever, to show them how much God wants to be one with them. MK, anything you'd add on that? No, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. Anything else that you try and encourage parents who come to you? Yeah, I mean, I think a a big thing that I would talk to parents about is just being patient. Um, and, and I would actually say the, the other way to, to the child as well is to be patient because while the child has been thinking about this maybe for five years before coming out, this is very new for the parents. Um, and same thing with the parents, that just because they are older, just because they have been through more life and think they know the right answer, that it, it might, you know, the child has their own kind of path that they're going to need to walk through in order to just gain immaturity and everything like that. So to be patient um, and ultimately to keep the, long, the long-term relationship intact. Mm, I love that. So here's a question that we get. Would you make a cake, arrange the flowers for, do the photographs for a same-sex wedding if you were asked? Matt, this is a very, very easy one, so go ahead. Well, if, if I was going to actually make it more personal, 
would I counsel a same-sex couple? And I would say yes, that, that I would, because my goal is, like, it's not to convict them. That's not my job. That's not it's not my, to convict them. It's yeah. not to convict them. But um, if, if I can, again, take it out of that control center where I think I have the authority to just make changes in their life, I don't. Um, if I have the ability to be an influence in their life, um, and even if that means, like, in times of pain and they're miscommunicating, if I can teach them how to communicate better and then at some point they're just like, that guy seemed to care about us, mm. then, then that allows me to influence their life. Um, and, and I think the same thing, you know, with, honestly, for me, if baking a cake or, or doing a flower arrangement, if you can develop a long-term relationship, again, long-term, um, you know, through, through providing flowers, and, and kind of even going the extra mile to, to provide flowers. Now, now, maybe at some point even being able to say, like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to, to care for you, I want to love you, but I, I also have a historical, biblical viewpoint on marriage. Like, you're never going to get to say that. If you say no to the flowers or the cake, or in my case, counseling, anything I would say, even if it was that exact tone, would come out as a yell and just be kind of fodder for them to to hate me and Christians and, and ultimately God, which that's the thing. I want them to fall in love with God, not, not really, I don't care what they think about mm -hmm. me. I love it because every, every sentence you're saying, I'm just picturing heterosexual couples as people who come in and they are not living biblically heterosexual wise. And Matt will tell me, he doesn't say specific details, but he's like, this person will not change. They are so dug in and I'll just pray or whatever. And it's a heterosexual marriage or heterosexual person. And, but Matt can't change them either. But he can be an influence and love them in their lives. And here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is either real or he's not. He's real. And so if we're being obedient to where we're called and we're going to step into some of these spaces and places, like... And it's not up to us, like you keep saying, Matt, like it's not up to us to change a person, but it's up to God and it's up to us to be available and love and listen to the spirit to what we're supposed to say and when. Uh, and when. Um, that's, it's important. God's either real or he's not. But just biblically too, um, you know, Proverbs, like, okay, because someone asked me this and then I asked back and I said, you know, I would ask myself some questions first because I get asked this about several times this week, photographer, florist, etc. You need to ask yourself if you are the photographer, florist, you know, therapist, whatever, what is your like philosophy or purpose for doing your job? Are you a discipler? Are you like, so you're only going to try and build up the church or is it missional? So just to think about why am I doing this job? And then two, like Proverbs 25, 21 says, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Like that's of our enemies, let alone like LGBT people. And so they're not our enemies, but I'm just saying that we can, that, that seems to, to offer some license to care for even our very enemies, let alone people we love who are LGBT and Jesus ate and drank with sinners so much. He was called one. You know, they thought he was possessed by demons. And then 1 Corinthians 5 says, when I wrote to you before, it says Paul saying, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or greedy or cheap people or worship idols. You have to leave this world to avoid people like that. 
So for me, that says, like, I can, if they're not believers especially, I mean, go, go crazy, kid. Um, it gets a little hairier when you finish 1 Corinthians 5, when it starts talking about, you know, if people are indulging in blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, things um, to not even eat with them. So if they're claiming to be believers. And so I can understand if someone was reading that and got convicted and were like, I can't, I don't know, I just can't do this. But again, same Z's for Matt. You as the florist, you as the therapist, you as the photographer, are you interviewing all of your heterosexual couples to make sure they're both like born again believers? Like, is that, if that's your perspective, are you making sure they're not addicted to porn? Making sure they're not sleeping together before marriage and the reason they're getting married is to make their lust Christian legal. Like, is that okay? Is that a good reason to get married? And so I, or that they're not addicted to greed. I, I don't know. And so I just, we have to, I always am putting my hypocrisy check up. And so am I being a hypocrite here? So if I'm saying no to this couple, am I equally saying no to all of these other people too? And, and by saying no, am I missing out on, um, on an opportunity to love someone who needs love just the same as I need love and needs Jesus just equally as I need Jesus, which I don't know, I just want to drive this in for just a hot second, is these are not going to become your projects. Nobody likes to feel like a project. And so these are just, if you choose to engage and love people like Matt does so well, is that you're really seeing them as future, your, their current image bearers, equally beloved as you, and their future co-warriors next to you, seeking union with God and union with the church and inviting people into this union. Okay, I think we have time for maybe one more question. How do you know, and we've gotten this one a few different times, and so we're just going to circle back. If you're supposed to be on a path, if you're called to singleness, or if you're called to marriage. Matt, how did you know you were called to marriage? I'm saying that a little facetiously, because I don't know if you actually prayed about this one, Matt. Well, I mean, we, we had prayed. But I don't know, did you ever pray about, should I be single? Yeah, no, that I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to answer the call to singleness piece, because that wasn't ever something that I even thought to pray about. But again, isn't that weird? That's no, how we grew I mean, up. That's, that's, that is how I grew up. But I, I guess when, when we had started dating, and, and we had then kind of gone through our season of being broken up, and then we were looking at back to getting back together, um, which that's a long story. But when I was praying about our marriage, the possibility of marrying you, then it, it kind of, that, that's where I felt like God was speaking to, to me. Um, you know, and even the fact that when we were praying about a date, he gave us the same date. Oh, a wedding date, for, yeah. For when we were supposed to get married. Like after we thought, okay, and prayed about like, should, is this where you want us to go? Is this what you want us to do? And me still feeling like, I don't know that I'm ready for that, but... God, you know, even through my dad being like, you know what, you don't have to be perfect to, to receive whatever God has for you. Um, so I, I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know how to answer the singleness piece, but the, the marrying piece, it, it had to be you. I don't think I was, God didn't want me to just marry anyone. 
you know, he didn't call me to general marriage. He, he called me to be married to, to you. And, and so I, th- I think that was when I knew it was when you kind of, we got back together and it was like, okay, God, if this is real, then you need to make kind of these steps work. And so God had to just to work to restore the relationship and, and really had to set a direction for, for us. And, and I felt like when it was you specific, that's when I felt more clarity mm. in the process. And that was for me too. I was ready after doing a lot of heart work. You know, I was like, I've got these attractions. I realized I didn't have to either be straight or gay. It was just, I could surrender my version of sexual brokenness to the Lordship of Christ, like everyone's called to do. Didn't know that was a possibility. So when I was in that place, I just had my heart open to Jesus. And I said, God, whatever you want for me. I was definitely asking him about a career path, not about marriage. (laughs) <laughs> but it was almost good I didn't have my eyes on it because um, that's when I felt his hand on my shoulder saying, I have someone for you. Which, Matt, I'm so glad you highlighted that because I don't think we always talk about that in our interviews about marriage, but it's not that you're called to universal, I'm called to marry all men. Ew, gross, no. Not that men are gross. <laughs> I mean, we are pretty gross. <laughs> I did just walk myself that? right into a hole. <laughs> but I was called to marry Matt. And that honestly was such great advice for me in our premarital counseling and even beyond is it's your marriage doesn't have to be like everyone else's. That's so stupid. Matt, Steve, your marriage is not the epitome of heterosexual marriage, is it? It's pretty close. (laughs) When you look up marriage, you see Steve and Kelly. No, but you know, like it's your unique marriage. And Mm -hmm. that is so... That's freeing for someone like me if I'm not comparing to anyone but Christ in the church, which, good luck, kids. Mm-hmm. I say facetiously, but it's really he's the only one who can empower you to be married to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Steve, do you have anything to throw in here? Obviously, you've been married for some time. A couple days. Uh, it is something of a mystery, to be honest, because... I've known people who, you know, really fervently prayed. They were like, I know that I have a desire to be married. And so I feel like I've got a green light from the Holy Spirit to pursue that. And um, either nothing pans out or something pans out that years down the road, it turns out to be a very, very, very difficult thing. And so you're like, how is this a gift, God? Right. And then I've also known people who just kind of blindly walked into it, weren't super intentional on the front end and, you know, have got this great relationship. I mean, those are kind of extremes. And, and Kelly and I have definitely walked through difficult, deep waters. I'm not saying our marriage has been easy, but I will say it has been a blessing. I do feel like this is a gift from the Lord that I can't really take credit for. I can only be grateful for and try to steward well. Um, so anyway, I just know that's not everybody's story. So I try to just be careful about how glowingly I gush about my awesome marriage, you know? And so you want to be just really sensitive, I guess, about that. And also acknowledge that there's seasons where mm-hmm. it's like, mm, I could take or leave this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so you, I think you do have to stay close to the Lord. I do think that it is okay to counsel a young person you know, if you feel like I would like to be married, mm-hmm. um, I would like to be in a, 
um, heterosexual marriage mm -hmm. for reasons of, I don't want to be alone. I want to have like a co-laborer, a, a person that I can partner with in what God has called me to. I want to find that person. Mm -hmm. I would say, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but you may experience, well, no, you will experience disappointment some point along the way. Mm -hmm. And so again, I, I think that's, it's important to not make it like you guys are saying an idol, mm -hmm. uh, to not make that thing, the focus of my worship, yeah. you know, but a gift from the one I worship. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. You can always hope for something. You shouldn't put your hope in that thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I think just to wrap that up is hold your heart and your hands open. Say, God, not my will, but yours. And then I love what Greg Cole says. His, he has a new book coming out, I think in February. Greg Coles, we've had him on here, um, and he talks some about this. But just that gift of singleness or of marriage. Don't quote me on this, quote him. Uh, but that, that, that word gift is the same word as like gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you have the gift of prophecy, which is truth-telling, Lord help me, um, you don't always love that. Mm. And so when people are like, I don't have the gift of singleness, I hate singleness. But some of my married friends say, I don't have the gift of marriage, I hate marriage. And so it's more of a refining thing. Mm. And so singleness is going to refine you, marriage is going to refine you. But can we be in community with each other, seek oneness with our spouse, oneness with the church, oneness with God, invite others into that oneness, but hold your hands open. Uh, and guys, if you want to talk, we didn't really dive into how do you know if you're called to celibacy for the rest of your life in singleness. Peter Volk, we interviewed him last season. That would be a good episode. He talks about discerning that call of singleness. And again, uh, hit up Greg Coles, C-O-L-E-S. He's written a good book and another one. Go pre-order his book. Look at me giving him a shout out. He's not even on here, <laughs> but I love him. <laughs> and I gave him an endorsement. Uh, but his book is coming out in February. Um, but guys... Thank you, Jesus, for this episode. Not my will, but yours, Lord. Let that be the posture of our lives. Um, let that be the posture of this podcast and um, just even this podcast season, which the theme is courage. So whatever gift you have for us, God, uh, help it to be one that we step into courageously. Okay, guys, I think we're gonna, it's going to be a wrap. Matt's got to go. He's got his therapy clothes on. He's got to go do some therapy for others. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any questions or thoughts or, hey, we, we dared you last time to share this podcast, uh, we would love for you to do that with another. Drop us a review on the old iTunes page. Five stars helps people to find us. Okay, next week, we have a question of the week for next week, which it is, what is a kid's show you would watch even without the kids around? Is there one? Or maybe there's just an old nostalgia one if you guys want to talk about your favorite kids one when you're a kid. Because you don't have you don't have a kids in your like baby kids in your life, Steve. Just grandkids. Know. Oh, haha. Uh -huh. Oh, I could tell you some good ones to watch. <laughs> yeah, I've got like a baker's dozen locked yeah. and loaded oh. over here. Yeah, Matt is I almost just wanted Matt to answer this question because he's got some good recommendations for y'all, but we want to know. You can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter somewhat. Um, but thanks so much, guys, for listening and for all of us here, masked up and ready to go at the Hole in My Heart podcast. Don't let just put like a downer note. <laughs> Someday mask free uh, at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We'll see you next week.